Grace be unto you and peace from God our Father and from our dear Lord and our dear Savior, born this night, Jesus Christ. Amen. On a night like this, there's nothing probably more touching, certainly more sentimental than that beautiful Christmas story about a child who was born to poor parents living in that northern part of Israel known as Galilee, displaced from their homes in obedience to an emperor demanding a census of a world that he had ruled over. He was actually from Galilee, born in Judea. I would even suspect that this tender picture of an innocent little child is maybe an image of God that might be very palatable to the world. Everyone really wants to be able to have a God that is, well, maybe even weaker than we are. Isn't that the kind of God that would bring comfort to us? A God who is maybe even more vulnerable than we are? I think we would have to admit, when we think about it, that we really need a God who is far more powerful than we are. So tonight we're going to take a look back at this Christ child and look at him through the words and the inspired words of the Apostle Paul in his letter to the Colossians. This is what he has to say about that little baby. He is the image of the invisible God the firstborn over all creation. For by him all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities. He is before all things were created by him and for him. He is before all things and in him all things hold together. And he is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning and the firstborn from among the dead, so that in everything he might have the supremacy. For God was pleased to have his fullness dwell in him, and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether things on earth or things in heaven, by making peace through his blood shed on the cross. There are very few things that we would describe as being unchanging, that we might describe. Perhaps we might think of maybe a mountain. We don't have them here in Indiana, but out there maybe those Rocky Mountains that they would remain unchanged over the years. Maybe when we think about the sun or the moon or the stars, there's a kind of a unchangingness to them as well. But the scriptures speak about God as being even far more unchanging, far more eternal than all things that we know. In Psalm 90 it says, Before the mountains were born, or you brought forth the earth and the world, from everlasting to everlasting, you are God. For a thousand years in your sight are like a day that has just gone by. 
Yes, this child that was born this night has been, is today, and will be forever. That very child that was born in the manger in a stable wrapped in swaddling clothes was and is in nature the eternal, unchangeable God. Is there any comfort that we can draw from this unchangeable God? Strangely, when we think of God in those terms, unchangeable, unmovable, we want to raise the question, do unchangeable, immovable things, can they listen to us? Can they hear our prayers? Or are they like the sun and the moon and the stars, unable for us to come near to them, unconcerned about us, caring not for us at all? You can see why it is so difficult for us in our minds to grasp the idea that the eternal and the unchangeable God, the Son of God, has entered into human flesh in the woman named Mary, a baby who wet his diapers, who cried when he was hungry, who learned to walk and learned to talk and grew from childhood into manhood. This was at the exact same time that he was fully human. He was in nature the unchangeable and the eternal God. Some like the idea that Jesus is true God, sounds okay to them, but they don't necessarily like the idea that he was the person of the second person of the Trinity because the minute that you talk about him as a person, he is somebody who feels, who thinks, who responds, who talks, who reveals. If he was not a person, if it was just in a sense, God in nature, it would mean that God was more like a machine with buttons that could be pushed or maybe an inanimate force like in the Star Wars, may the force be with you, something that pantheistically fills everything. Machines are inanimate things that do not care. And so the minute that we take out the personality of this second person of the Trinity, we also see a God who is only a God of force, of nature, who can be manipulated, who can be changed, who might even be reprogrammed on the culture in which we are living. That's why it is that some people like this kind of a God, a God that can be made into whatever image men want. We call that the God of clay. A God who just simply conforms to the fads and the trends and the morals of society as it moves in the day. But I guarantee you that there is no comfort in that God for clay cannot forgive sins and clay cannot know us and clay cannot destroy death and clay rules over nothing and knows nothing whatsoever about us or who we are. But there is incredible comfort in this unchanging God because he is also the very second person of the Trinity who was born that night. We have a hard time grasping this great miracle. While that baby slept, 
he was at the same time holding all things together, every molecule, every proton, every neutron, every particle of light and matter had its existence in that sleeping baby. While Mary was counting out his ten fingers and ten toes, we're assuming he had all of them, he was ruling his church. That is, he was literally praying for us and sending his Holy Spirit so that we could understand the very mind of his Father who had sent him. That baby's flesh inside of those swaddling clothes was actually an ark like Noah's ark into which every person who is baptized into Christ is placed. And when Christ's body came out of the grave, his body and all who were in that body have now been given the supremacy over the power of death. Every one of us who have been baptized into that baby's flesh are going to rise from the grave like he was raised from the grave. The very same child that Mary held there as she nursed him in her arms would one day be taken up into the fullness of the divine nature. And beyond that grave with his glorified flesh, he would feed the souls and the mouths of God's children with this supernatural bread of heaven, which is his body and his blood. And as those shepherds knelt down by his manger of hay, to see the marvel that was spoken about by the angels. They could not see what a miracle was going to be taking place when the very blood that was in the body of that child flowing in his veins, when that blood was shed there at Calvary, the holy and the divine nature of God was going to dispel the power of sin and death and it would reconcile all of creation to this creator and through that body of that baby in the manger there would come true and everlasting unchangeable unchangeable peace so when you wonder if god would ever care about you if you would ever wonder whether or not god would ever love you if you ever wonder if there is a way out of this decaying, changing life into an eternal, unchangeable, joyous life, if you ever wonder if God could ever forgive you, if you ever wondered whether or not you could forgive someone else, if you ever wonder if this God and his will could ever be known, you just look into that manger and you believe what it is that the Holy Spirit said in these words. He is the image of all of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. For by him all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities, all things were created by him and for him. And he ends this text, For God was pleased to have all his fullness dwell in him, 
and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether things on earth or things in heaven, making peace through his blood shed on the cross. There, there, in that manger, we see God's way of bringing about an unchangeable peace between God and man. He is our Savior and our Lord. Amen.